Welcome in, welcome in to the McGla- to this debut of Face to Face Sports here from Emory's McLaughlin Center on WEHC ninety point seven. I am your host Jordan Dove, and I'm proud to be bringing you this live sports talk show for the first time this summer. The goal of this show is to bring some live discussion and thought on some of the latest sports news, both nationally and locally. Something else this show will bring this summer is storytelling. Live interviews will be a p- big part of the show as well. There are many sports figures in this area who I think would be excellent interviews on this show. Right here at Emory's campus, there's a transition from D3 to D2 happening with their athletics, and it's something I think you all want to hear more about, which is why I'd like to have some players and coaches like Coach Kurt Newsom on this show, so that more of those details can be further explored. A little bit about myself, as I mentioned, my name is Jordan Dove. I grew up in Abingdon, but for the past three years, I've been attending Louisiana State University. In the spring of 2021, I graduated with my bachelor's in mass communications from LSU after transferring from Virginia Highlands Community College. Right after I transitioned, I went straight into a master's program, still with LSU, and with my first year recently completed, I now have one year to go. And I'll tell you guys, radio is my passion. I spent my entire undergrad as part of LSU Student Radio and their sports team. Together we discussed various sports topics while also covering several games on LSU's campus, including that wonderful national championship game in January of 2020 when LSU completed the perfect 15-0 season against the Clemson Tigers, the defending champions at the time. Now with WEHC, I'm hoping to bring those same skills and personality which I learned down in Louisiana to this show. But enough about, me, enough about me, let's get to the sports, shall we? First, nationally. As you all know, we have a little uh, championship series coming up. This Thursday will mark the start of this year's NBA Finals. In my opinion, the matchup, which sees the Boston Celtics pitted against the Golden State Warriors, brings a lot of interesting narratives and excitement. An organization which has seen multiple dynasties against the NBA's current dynasty. Let's start with the Warriors. Last Thursday, Golden State completed the gentleman's sweep of the Dallas Mavericks at home in San Francisco. Klay Thompson's 32 points and 8 threes helped Golden State seal the series win, but it was Steph Curry who earned the series MVP after averaging more than 23 points and 7 assists on the series. Golden State is looking to continue their run as they will face the Boston Celtics for only the third time in the season. I'm going to tell you guys, the thing about great teams and dynasties is that they know how to adjust over time. Patriots of the 2000s and 2010s, the Yankees of the 40s and 50s, UCLA men's basketball in the 60s and 70s, today's Warriors. Players come and go, but the organization can still win with changing rosters. The 2022 Warriors have their same core, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, sure, but the players which surround them are much different and a lot younger than their teams which made the finals from 2015 to 2019. Another great attribute of the great teams in history is that they can become, they can come back from hardship. In 2019, the Warriors lost more than just the NBA Finals. In Game 6 of that series against Toronto, the Warriors lost Klay Thompson to an ACL tear, an injury which would set him out for all of 2019-20. Less than a month after the Finals, the loss the Warriors were forced to trade superstar Kevin Durant to the Brooklyn Nets, thus losing another key piece. These factors, along with Curry playing only five games due to a hand injury, led to the Warriors finishing with the worst record in 2020. In 2021, the Warriors were dealt another blow, an Achilles injury to Klay Thompson, sidelining him for another full year. Golden State would miss the postseason for the second straight year, despite Curry winning the scoring title. 
Now we look at this year, Thompson's return, along with Andrew Wiggins' first All-Star year and Jordan Poole's rise. Seeing the Warriors look like the familiar team they once were, 53 wins of three playoff series wins against Denver, Memphis, and Dallas, placed the Warriors back in this spot. With a series clincher against Dallas, it's the Warriors' 18th straight Western Conference Series win, as they haven't lost a Western Conference Series since 2014. And it's also their sixth conference title in the last eight years. Quite the accomplishment that we don't see a lot in today's sports world. Now let's take a look at the Celtics, a team which hadn't seen finals play since their seven-game loss to the Lakers in 2010, unlikely for an organization like the Boston Celtics. Boston spent much of last decade rebuilding and redeveloping in their post-Pierce Garnett and Allen years. Gone were the older stars and coach Doc Rivers, and in came Butler coach Brad Stevens and a young collection of stars. In these transition years, Boston drafted just as well as any other team in the NBA. In 2014, this year's Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Smart, was drafted. 2016 brought Jalen Brown out of Cal, and 2017 brought Jason Tatum from Duke. Together, the two have developed into one of the best young duos in the league, with each being able to take on the scoring load on any given night. Paired with several other veterans, the Celtics were able to take consistent deep playoff runs year in and year out, each ending in heartbreak. Conference Finals losses in 2017, 2018, and 2020 reminded the Celtics that they were good, but not quite championship level yet. Following a first-round exit in 2021, Coach Brad Stevens would make a surprising announcement, leaving the coaching job in exchange for executive duties from Danny Ainge, all still with Boston. This led to the hiring of first-year head coach Ime Yudoka, a student of Greg Popovich who spent nine seasons as a Spurs assistant coach. The offseason also saw a trade bring back veteran center Al Horford, who had recently been with the team, and who also brought a lot of experience throughout the playoffs, but things didn't exactly come together for Boston as the season unfolded. As 2020 came, 21, excuse me, came to a close, on December 31st, the Celtics were 17-19. and 19. Questions, including for myself, began to arise. Then the unthinkable happened. Boston would become the league's hottest team, winning 34 of their last 46 games, finishing with a record of 51-31. and 31. In the postseason, Boston has continued their run as they swept Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant's nets, beat the defending champion Bucks in seven, and the top CDs team, the Miami Heat, in seven, which they completed with a close win last night. Boston has shown they're the best road team these playoffs, going 7-2 and two in away games. The Celtics have shown they can win when it matters, and have shaken off past playoff demons which have once presided over them. All these factors lead us to Thursday night's Game 1. Whatever happens in the series could lead to major legacy marks for both organizations. With a finals win for the Warriors, the team could once again solidify themselves as basketball's best. It'd be the team's fourth championship in the past eight seasons, bringing Curry, Thompson, Green, and Coach Steve Kerr their fourth ring each. For perspective, that would be more than a few player-coach duos have done in the past, as it would be more than Bird's 80 Celtics, as well as Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and Phil Jackson's Lakers of the early 2000s. They would join numerous dynasties who won at least four, like Popovich and Duncan Spurs, who won five. Magic's Lakers, who won five, Jordan and Jackson's Bulls, who won six, and Russell Celtics, who won 11 in the 60s. As a franchise, the Warriors would join the Lakers and Celtics as the only franchises to win at least seven titles. For the Boston Celtics, 
Their storied legacy was first written a long time ago, with several updates continuing to come in the decades which followed Russell's teams. For a long time, Boston held the record for most titles, with their current number being at 17. But after the Lakers' title win in 2020, that record was tied. With a win, Celtics could pull ahead once again with an unprecedented 18th crown. Ime Udoka could join the current trend of first-year coaches to win a title. And he could join his counterpart, or I should say adversary, excuse me, in the final, Steve Kerr, a part of that growing trend, as someone who's won in their first year. Currently, the Warriors are favored with minus 150 odds, and many on Twitter are proclaiming the Warriors in six. Frankly, I'd have to agree. Series pits the league's two best defenses, these playoffs, with Boston carrying a 105.1 defensive rating and the Warriors holding a rating of 111. Golden State holds a league-best 116.1 offensive rating these playoffs, but have yet to face a defense as tough as Boston. Boston's half-court wall and defensive switching gave Miami trouble all series long, but the Warriors are different than Miami. They're a team capable of stretching the Celtics out and attacking from various angles. Problem which arises for the Celtics are the turnovers. In 12 wins, Boston has turned the ball over 12 times a game, while in their losses they committed 16 turnovers, turnovers a game. Jason Tatum alone has turned the ball over 77 times in 18 playoffs game, playoff games, which is 18 more than the next player. If this continues and the ball is given up to players like Gary Payton II, who's given you almost three steals a game, it could be a tough and long, or in this case, short series for the Boston Celtics. For Game 1, Golden State already has the advantage. Home court, extra days of rest, and no traveling benefits benefits the Warriors. But Boston is sneaky on the road and may surprise with at least a win in the first two games in San Francisco. I will have to give my final thought, which is the Warriors in 6, joining that trend on Twitter. Now let's transition to some college baseball. Earlier today in the selection committee, they announced the field of 64 of the D1 baseball tournament. The field includes 31 automatic bids via conference championships and 35 at-large teams. I know many of you may be more familiar with the college basketball bracket, so here's how the tournament works according with the help of CBS Sports. Each of the 16 regionals are seeded 1 through 4. In each region, number 1 faces number 4, number 2 faces number 3 on the first day of action. The winners of those two games then play each other while the losers play an elimination game. The winner of each regional advances to the Super Regional. The Super Regional, which includes a total of 16 teams, is a best-of-three series format. Those winners of the Super Regional, eight teams in all, advance to the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. The College World Series is a double elimination format until the final two teams are left standing. At that point, slates are wiped clean, and it's a best-of-three series to determine the national champion. A lot of great teams in this uh, in this tournament right now, um, a lot of them, as you, uh, as many of you are aware, are local teams: Tennessee Volunteers, Virginia Tech Hokies. Many of you are aware that the Tennessee Volunteers are the nation's top overall seed with a record of 53 and 7. The teams that follow are Stanford at 40 and 14, Oregon State at 44 and 14, Virginia Tech at 41 and 12, Texas A&M with a 37 and 18 record, Miami 39 and 18. Oklahoma State 39 and 20 and East Carolina at 42 and 18. If any of these national seeds along with eight others wins its region, then it will host the Super Regional. Each of these teams are hosting their respective regional matchups, which means you can drive over to Blacksburg and drive over to 
to Knoxville if you want to see these games. Eight other teams are also hosting regional games. Texas, North Carolina, Southern Miss, Louisville, Florida, Auburn, Maryland, and Georgia Southern. For those who may need to catch up on who won their conference titles, I do have the scores right in front of me. There's plenty of games that went on yesterday. Tennessee won over Florida 8-5 in the SEC Championship. Stanford won over Oregon State 9-5. Oklahoma took the Big 12 title 8-1 over Texas. East Carolina won the American Athletic Championship 6-1 over Houston. Hofstra won over Northeastern 7-6 in the CAA Championship. North Carolina beat NC State in the ACC Championship 9-5. UNC Greensboro took the Southern Conference Championship over Wofford 10-2. UConn took the Big East 7-2 over Xavier. Bryant won the NEC title over Long Island University 7-2. Central Michigan beat Ball State 11-7 to win the MAC Championship. Columbia beat Army 8-5, and Southern Illinois beat Missouri State 9-6 in the Missouri Valley Championship. Excuse me, I'm actually missing a few. Michigan beat Iowa 13-1 in the Big Ten Tournament, and and UTSA lost to Louisiana Tech 9-8 in the Conference USA Championship. A lot of games going on, a lot of action, and all that all starts on Thursday. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'll be discussing more about local favorites Virginia Tech and Tennessee in this tournament, so please stay tuned. This is Henry McCarthy of Poets and Writers. We're pleased to bring you another season of Poets and Writers, some new poets, some local poets, some national poets, and some fine writers, and also we have some screenwriters for you this this year. So tune in to Poets and Writers. We write poems every day in our hearts, but we're often afraid to share them. And if you send me a few lines to McCarthyHenry at Yahoo.com, we will put them on. So Poets and Writers, Henry McCarthy, don't forget us. Support for WEHC and Emory and Henry football comes from Tumbling Creek Cider Company. Heritage-inspired, handcrafted hard cider in the heart of downtown Abingdon. Open daily in the Spring House 112 Court Street, Northeast, and online at tumblingcreekcider.com. Tumbling Creek Cider Company, serving the spirit of our community. Welcome back into Face-to-Face Sports here on WHC 90.7. I am your host, Jordan Dove, coming to you live from the McLaughlin Center on Emory and Henry's campus. Hope you guys didn't get too bored out there and you're still listening. For anyone who may be joining in, I was given a quick layout of the NCAA baseball tournament. A lot of games there, and that all begins this Friday, June 3rd. Just saying that makes me take a double take. I can't believe it's already June. This year is moving right along. So let's talk more about some of these local teams around here. So there's been much excitement in the area around Virginia Tech and Tennessee's baseball success. For those who are unaware, the two teams are the favorites in the area of Southwest Virginia and East Tennessee. The reason why is is clear. The two are the biggest D1 schools in the areas. And uh, also it explains why they played in Bristol uh, back in 2016 because they wanted to try and get it as center as possible. But this area is big on Tennessee and Virginia Tech football. 
But uh, while football is a favorite amongst the fans around here, we've seen a rare occurrence happen this year in which both teams are playing exceptional baseball. Tennessee has sit, sat at the top nationally, and they hold a record the best in the in the nation of 53-7. and seven. Virginia Tech sits fourth nationally with a record of 41-12. and 12. Conference tournaments showed different results for each, however. Tennessee, who was highly favored, went all the way and took the SEC Tournament Championship yesterday, beating Florida 8-5. to The win gives them their SEC Tournament title, their first SEC Tournament title, excuse me, since 1995. Now, the Volunteers are aiming to make it to the World Series for the second consecutive year, starting with their regional game Friday against Alabama State. To many, the Volunteers are the nation's best team, as they may have won the most games, yeah, sure, and they also lead in multiple categories in their conference. Runs, hits, RBIs, batting average, on-base percentage, even pitching categories like ERA and strikeouts. They also led the nation in home runs with 137. But the Knoxville Regional is no slouch. The other matchup occurring is between Georgia Tech and Campbell. Currently, Georgia Tech is hitting 324 and hold the top overall hitter in Chandler Simpson, who hits 418. While Georgia Tech struggles with pitching, Campbell excels. If they advance and Tennessee also wins, the Volunteers would have to face a top MLB prospect, Thomas Harrington, who's 11-2, holds a 2.21 ERA, and has 109 strikeouts on the year. It would be interesting to see him pitch against Tennessee's best hitters like Trey Lipscomb and Drew Gilbert, but overall this team is stacked top to bottom, and coach Tony Vitello should have them ready for another run. And now for the Hokies. For the first time in nine years, Blacksburg will host a regional, thanks to Virginia Tech's stellar play this season. It's also the Hokies' first tourney appearance in as many years, giving coach John Sheff his first tournament team, at Virginia Tech at least. The club has been one of the best stories all year long, and at season be- season's beginning, Virginia Tech was picked to finish 6th in their division. These thoughts were quickly erased as the Hokies won 9 ACC series to claim their first division title. Their regular season conference title was also their first since 2000. Unfortunately for the Hokies, their ACC conference tournament run came to a quick end Friday when they lost to North Carolina 10 to nothing in their second game. Of course, North Carolina would go on to win the ACC title over NC State. Facing Wright State on Friday, the Hokies have to shake off that, that crushing loss and focus on the task at hand. Here's some statistics which should give Hokie fans some, uh, some hope going, into, going forward. 31-6 in their last 37 games, number 5 RPI, 21 wins versus RPI, and 6 top 25 series wins, and of course the best overall ACC record. I feel that uh, Virginia Tech is the best team in their region, uh, and this also includes teams like Gonzaga, they face Wright State, and also Columbia. But those games all begin this Friday, and uh, I'm sure they'll be a good one. So we're going to send you back to some messages, uh, but stay tuned. If you're planning to simplify your life this summer, start by giving yourself more space. Donate that unwanted vehicle you no longer need to us. We'll have it picked up at no cost to you, get top dollar for it, and use the proceeds to present your favorite programs. Learn more at wehcfm.com. That's wehcfm.com. Y'all, this place is wild. And sometimes wild comes in tiny, tiny little packages, like insects. One of E.O. Wilson's most famous quotes puts us in our place. He said, if all mankind were to disappear, 
the world would regenerate back to the rich state of equilibrium that existed 10,000 years ago, but if insects were to vanish, the environment would collapse into chaos. And insects do way more for us than just pollinate. Insects also serve as an important source of food for other animals. In fact, one tiny little nest of baby chickadees will eat 8,000 caterpillars before they grow up and fly away. So put away that can of bug killer and learn more about the tiniest and arguably most important element of the ecosystem. Find links to learn more on the ENH Wild Campus Facebook page. Stay curious! Brought to you by the Holston Rivers Chapter of Virginia Master Naturalist. Welcome back in to Face-to-Face -face Sports, the first edition, coming to you live from the McLaughlin Center at Emory & Henry. Glad you guys are still with me, and let's wrap this up by switching from college baseball to college softball. We saw on Thursday, May 26th, the conference tournaments, or excuse me, the Super Regionals were wrapped up. Arkansas defeated Texas 7-1. They were the favorite and advanced. And Oklahoma State, who was also favored over Clemson, beat Clemson 2 to nothing. So, which leads us to the World Series for softball. On Thursday, June the 2nd, we'll see a couple of matchups. The remaining eight are Texas against UCLA. That will begin at noon on Thursday. Then we'll see Northwestern take on Oklahoma at 2.30. Oregon State will take on Florida at 7 o'clock. And Arizona will take on Oklahoma State at 9.30. All those games will be on ESPN. And uh, listen, guys, I just want to thank you for tuning into this, uh, this first edition of Face-to-Face -face Sports. This is going to wrap up the first edition. Um, glad I got to be in the studio and, and get a feeling of everything. A little bit, a little bit different than KLSU, but I really enjoy it. Um, I think everything's pretty much easier to, to run and everything, but... Um, this show will be back again next week at the same time, Monday at 6.30. On this Memorial Day, I would like to say thank you to those who have served in our military and to those who have been lost due to their service. I want to thank you for your service and your sacrifice. It will not be forgotten. You guys take it easy. I'll see you next week. Watch some sports in the meantime and have a safe Memorial Day. See you next week. Support for WEHC comes from Abingdon Racquetball Associates, a privately owned club offering two courts conveniently located at 150 Deadmore Street in the heart of historic Abingdon. Off the wall fun since 1991. More information at 276-623-4400. This is Henry McCarthy of Poets and Writers. We're pleased to bring you another season of Poets and Writers. Some new poets, some local poets, some national poets, and some fine writers. And also we have some screenwriters for you this, this year. So tune in to Poets and Writers. We write poems every day in our hearts, but we're often afraid to share them. And if you send me a few lines to McCarthyHenry at Yahoo.com, we will put them on. So Poets and Writers, Henry McCarthy, don't forget us. Mm -hmm.